Well, hello there. Thank you for joining me again today. I'm John at pureandsimplebible.com, and I say it every week, and it's just as true every week, I'm grateful for your presence and for another opportunity to discuss the Bible. Jamie Thompson and I have had a very encouraging conversation about this question. Can the Bible be trusted? I hope so far that Jamie and I have been able to answer this question as well as ask others and answer others that are related to it. We're wrapping it up today by considering several tests that one can use to determine the reasonability that the Bible is trustworthy. Let's jump right back in, shall we? Right, I was thinking that, you know, they're consistent, but at the same time, I feel like I can read different things in each one, so why aren't they exactly the same? Why not just have one gospel story? Sure, uh, I think the reason is there's a biblical uh, idea of multiple witnesses. And it comes from Deuteronomy 17 and verse 6, as right. well as other places. Right. The idea that um, uh, things aren't to be believed except by uh two or three eyewitnesses. Right. And in this case, we've got four eyewitnesses, mm-hmm. uh, four wit- witness testimonies, at least, uh, that um, teach about Jesus. And uh, I've got a quote here from a Simon Greenleaf, who's an important legal figure, and he's also a Harvard law professor. He wrote, uh, of the four Gospels, there is enough of a discrepancy to show that there could have been no previous concert among them. And at the same time, such substantial agreement as to show that they all were independent narrators of the same transaction, same great transaction. Let me try to take very scholarly and, and educated language and put it in some simple words for this simple guy to better understand. If they had been more closely written, it would be more suspicious. Yes. But it's not far enough apart that they don't agree. So it's if they'd been closer, it would have been suspicious. If they were further apart, it would have been suspicious. But, <laughs> but it falls right in the middle. And, and the reason why this man's opinion is important is because he's a law professor, and so this is kind right. of courtroom talk. Ah, okay. if there's multiple eyewitnesses in a case, lawyers and the judges will look for consistency in their testimony. But if, if their testimony is exactly the same, people will suspect that they got together beforehand and worked out a story. Now, there are some alleged contradictions or controversies in the Bible. Do um, you have a, a word to say about that? Sure. Um, there are apparent contradictions. Um, but if we look at these uh, closely and carefully and with some patience, mm-hmm. then we can harmonize these passages. You know, uh, an example of this is the lineage of Jesus. Um, there's one in the Gospel of Matthew and one right. in the Gospel of Luke. Right. And they're not exactly the same. And so sometimes people, skeptics, people who are looking for an excuse mm-hmm. to not believe the Bible will pounce on this and say, well, look, it contradicts, so we can't believe it. Right. But with some careful study, we can see that we can harmonize these passages. This goes along so well with what you said about our faith being one that we have to reason through. I think yes. that, and part of reasoning through something is requires effort. Yes. It's not just going to, in every single detail, reveal itself, like I said earlier, on a silver platter. It is going to require us to consider and meditate and study upon it. And uh, I think about Jesus' promise, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. That's a good point. The, there is a challenge of I have to look 
have to seek for it. Mm-hmm. Knock and the door will be opened. It finishes the scripture. Well, you, your next test is called the bias test. And uh, I'm intrigued just by the name of the test. What, what question are you asking in this test? Well, the question I'm asking is, since the New Testament writers were devoted followers of Jesus, would they be tempted to embellish his story? Oh, I, I like that question. I feel like a skeptic would really kind of seize onto this, that maybe they would embellish the details. So would they? Well, no, because Jesus carefully taught them to be truthful. And uh, they would have honored him by carefully recording his life and teaching. Uh, if they had, con- uh, if they were following a bias, uh, if they were presenting Jesus in a way that wasn't reality, then they would have buckled under pressure against under persecution. They would have given up Jesus and returned to Judaism if he wasn't everything that they claimed him to be. But instead, we see people proclaiming Jesus near and far under great persecution, even going to their deaths because of it. Yeah. Now, is it reasonable to think that? Uh, it, for a minute, let's pretend that we believe that the apostles embellished the stories of Jesus, that he was just a man, uh, and they wanted to, they liked him, they wanted to attribute great things to him, and they did that. Mm-hmm. If, if you were in that position, and people started telling you that if you don't give up this Jesus, we're going to seize all your property, we're going to take all your goods, we're going to make you live on the street, would you give him up? If he wasn't what you said he was? And, and and if they came to your door and said, we are going to kill you, and we are going to kill your family if you don't give him up. If, if, if it's a lie, are you going to stand for that lie? Right. I think, because these, this is the sort of situations that these people were put under. You know, sometimes people are skeptical about the Christian faith, and they'll say that really it was kind of a, a backroom deal that was made by those who were in power to stay in power. You know, uh, people uh, who were perhaps of the Catholic Church who wanted to control Europe. And so they created some of these things and manipulated some of these things to help them stay in power. And that might be more defendable if the documents only came out after those people were in right. power. Yes. <laughs> But we've already considered how these documents were coming out before the Catholic denomination really ever existed. Yes. And so I have to take that piece of historical evidence, the fact that there was a quantity and quality of documents going all the way back to 100 AD during a time when the people who were writing it were not rich, were not in power, they didn't have government control. Really, they were on the outside and they were being killed for it. And so... Suddenly, the bias test uh, is a really compelling piece of evidence for me personally. There are eight tests that we're talking about to help us corroborate or to better understand that the Bible does come from God. What do we have coming up next? It's called the cover-up test. Right. So it kind of goes hand in hand with the bias test and embellishing the story. So the question here is, did the writers leave out any embarrassing or incriminating evidence? Right. Okay. So it's the opposite. The bias test was adding to the cover-up would be taking away or yes. know, hiding something. Okay. I get it. Well, to, to answer this or, or to, to um, pass the Bible through this test, a lot of Jesus sayings are difficult to understand or difficult to hear, but the, um, the writers included these anyway. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. Some examples are be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That's difficult to hear. What about uh, adultery includes lust? Or uh, in Mark 13, verse 32, Jesus says that he doesn't know the day or the hour of his return. Right. I think about in John 6, even, uh, in, in many of the Gospels, through his year of popularity, he, his crowd, the crowds are just growing. He's doing all these great things. And then in John 6, he preaches a sermon that people, it's very challenging for them to understand. It says that the majority of the people stopped following him. Surely they wouldn't have put that in there if the purpose was to lift up and embellish this man as being a man of the people and everyone loved him. Why would they put this story where suddenly everybody left him? Yes. And, and um, you've got Jesus' baptism. The Christian claim is that Jesus was sinless. Why did he need to be baptized? That's a difficult, mm. difficult mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the cross, Jesus says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What does that mean? That's a, that's a difficult concept to, right. to think about as well. And we also have the idea that the disciples, some of whom were writing the Gospels, are constantly drawn in a bad light <laughs> as a they mis- misunderstood Jesus and right. his, his mission. <laughs> I'm sure uh, John and James were embarrassed whenever people read or discussed the time whenever they asked for the you know, fire to come down. Can we send fire down from heaven on this town that wouldn't let you come through? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, whenever they're old men thinking about their youth, <laughs> they were so brash. Oh, oh, when uh, Jesus asked them, uh, what were you discussing on the road? And there, uh, the Bible says that they were all silent because they were <laughs> discussing which of them was greatest. <laughs> it's like children sometimes, you know, what's going on back there? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Or poor Peter. All the times that Peter sticks his foot in his mouth. You mm-hmm. know, there's always the time where Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Tell me about the corroboration test. Okay. Um, can the writer's details be independently verified? Be independently verified. What do you mean by that? Well, um, can we learn something about Jesus? Can we learn something about the details that are recorded in the Bible from independent sources, from something other than the Bible? Okay. This kind of loops us back around to the idea of the other uh, documents from antiquity that we believe, that we treat as history. Can we have, can we go to historical documents and learn about Jesus? Uh, Well, it it turns out that um, we can learn a lot about Jesus and his disciples through secular history. Uh, A a noted biblical scholar, Nelson um, Gluick, wrote, As a matter of fact, however, it may be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. Scores of archaeological findings have been which confirm in clear outline or exact detail historical statements in the Bible. Mm. Okay. So in archaeology, there has never yet been a contradiction found to the biblical record. Right. Every... Uh, place and every person that can be verified through archaeological findings have been verified. Right. And, and furthermore, we, we can learn about Jesus from these works of iniquity that we've uh, been talking about. The, these history books that we all trust and we treat as uh, legitimate history that we can learn from. Mm-hmm. For, for example, we can learn that there was a man called Jesus who was from Nazareth and that he lived a virtuous life, that he performed unusual feats, that he introduced his new teaching contrary to Judaism, that he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, 
that his disciples believed that he rose from the dead. Now, these are non-Christian sources. They're not Right, that's claiming. what I was about to, to bring up. They're not, this isn't stuff in the gospel. This is Josephus and, and other sources that we've already talked about previously, correct? Yes, and, and they're not even uh, the, the church fathers. They're not even people who believe in Jesus. Right. They're merely stating impartially mm-hmm. historic facts. Mm-hmm that his disciples believed that he rose from the dead, that his disciples denied polytheism, that his disciples worshipped him as a man who we know to be the son of God, to be God himself. Mm -hmm. This is very unusual in the first century or any time, I suppose. (laughs) Uh, 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 um, More that his teaching spread rapidly and the number of his disciples grew quickly, that his followers believed that they were immortal, and we have the teaching of the resurrection. Right, right. Um, that his followers had a contempt for death, again, because they believed in the resurrection, and that his followers renounced material goods. They didn't believe that this world was all that there was. So we can learn all these facts from secular history, even if we di- if we pretended that the whole Bible was fiction, these things uh, would be historic fact. That's, I, I've used the word compelling, so frequently in this that maybe that it cheapens the word. I don't intend it to, but it is compelling. I love seeing things outside the Bible confirm what's going on in the Bible. Oh, so let's let's get on to our last test. Okay. And I think to me, this is really the most compelling because it's the adverse witness test. So pretend this, all these tests have been in a courtroom where we're uh, arguing about the evidence for the Bible. Can okay. we trust the Bible? Right. So this is where the Um, the opposite attorney can bring out uh, witnesses against the case for the Bible. Okay. So the question is, where are these witnesses? Were there others present who could contradict the New Testament if it were false? Mm. Well, Mm. they had occasion to come forward if they were able to. Right. Uh, Many people had reason for wanting to discredit Christianity in the first century. Um, Christianity wasn't popular among the Jews. Uh, the, right. the Jews that didn't convert, that is. It wasn't popular among the Romans. He saw it as a threat to the empire. It wasn't popular among many people. Many people wanted to discredit it. Um, uh, and they could have done so if they could point out any errors in the writings. They could say that there wasn't an empty tomb. But they couldn't because there was an empty tomb. <laughs> in fact, the the Pharisees and the chief priests paid the soldiers to say that the body was stolen in the night. Right because they couldn't explain the empty tomb. Um, They couldn't say that Jesus didn't live and teach and lead his followers, and they couldn't contradict the New Testament description of Jesus. Right. Because it was true. And in later Jewish writings, Jesus is called, uh, and when I say later, I, I mean several centuries later, Jesus is called a sorcerer who led Israel astray. Now, this is teaching against Jesus. The Those... Uh, of the Jewish faith, trying to denounce Jesus. Right. They didn't say he didn't exist. They didn't say uh, that he couldn't do marvelous things. They didn't say right. he didn't teach these things. They said he was a sorcerer, sorcerer who led Israel astray. Mm. They were attribute. They're doing the same as the Pharisees, basically, that they're right. attributing his power to the devil. Right. But the, but they're affirming it. Yes. You know this is, this great piece of evidence is there. They might call it him a sorcerer who is leading Israel astray, but really they're affirming that he did mighty deeds. Yes. They're affirming his existence. Yes. And uh, 
from their point of view, he's leading Israel astray from the old law, but from they're also affirming that he had a new way. Yes, that's so. exactly right. That's I love exactly it. right. I love it. And, you, you know, in the book of Acts, early Christianity was not persecuted because it was full of falsehoods. And, and that bears out in secular history. Uh, and we've got a lot of um, uh, evidence uh, of uh, Roman persecution against Christianity. And it's mm-hmm. not because it was full of falsehoods. Rather, it, it was persecuted because it was different from the law mm-hmm. of Moses and different from uh, Roman law. And uh, it included the Gentiles. Right, right. I want to summarize this whole study. The question is, can we trust the Bible? And so we've looked at um, the works of iniquity, uh, how many uh, manuscripts, the the quality and the quantity of the manuscripts. We've Mm -hmm. looked at uh, how the Bible testifies of itself, um, the claims that it makes of itself. And we've looked at these these tests to see whether it's likely that the Bible was able to be uh, truthfully written and handed down. So I want to end by thinking about the people who wrote these. The writers made no attempt to harmonize their accounts, even though they are harmonizable. All right. We looked at that, the the law professor. Mm -hmm. He said they're independent witnesses. They included material that put Jesus in a bad light. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to say this very carefully because I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I don't mean that anything about Jesus was bad. I just mean they put material in the Gospels, in the Bible, that is difficult to understand. Right. Uh, so let me just put that caveat on that point. Sure. Um, they left many difficult passages in their text. They retained many self-incriminating details, mm-hmm. such as we talked about uh, Peter and James and John. Um they included many demanding sayings of Jesus. Now, if you or I wanted to start a religion, we we wouldn't do it by uh, <laughs> making things that were really hard, at having our disciples do things that were really difficult. If we wanted to uh, get followers, would make easy things to do. Right. Uh, they distinguished their words from Jesus' words. Mm. They placed special emphasis on Jesus' words. Right. They did not deny their testimony even under the threat of death. They claimed their record was based on eyewitnesses. They had women witnessing the resurrection before men. In a time and in a culture where the testimony of a woman legally meant nothing. Hmm. But they recorded that the women were the first witnesses of the resurrection. They challenged readers to check out the facts for themselves. Paul points to all the different eyewitnesses who were still living um, in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and challenged his readers, the Corinthians and any others who'd read the document, to check the facts for themselves. And They discarded long-held Jewish beliefs, uh, beliefs overnight. These mm. were devout men and women who believed in God and the Old Testament law with all their hearts. And they were willing to discard that just overnight and follow Jesus. And uh, the they record more than uh, 30 historical people that we can go through secular history and learn about these historical figures. 
that's a blitz of facts right there. You know, we go through them quickly. It's easy for your head to start spinning with the information. I'd like to maybe distill it down to this. Can the Bible be trusted? Yes. Because based on everything we've talked about so far, this isn't something where I'm just, I, I feel emotionally connected to it. That it makes me feel good and so I want it to be true. That I'm hoping against hope that it's true. And that I'm, I'm scared if somebody ever brings up a point about it that I've not considered. We have nothing to fear from truth. You know, Jesus prayed in John 17 that God would sanctify us with truth. And, of course, he also says your word is truth. And so he is yes. pointing us in a yes. good direction for where <laughs> truth comes from. But there's been times in my life when my heart would kind of skip whenever somebody might uh, question the Bible or maybe they'd talk down to me or soft persecution is what I've heard it called before uh, versus the hard persecution that people have actually faced physical violence and intimidation against their life. I've never experienced anything of that nature. But that soft persecution where people are putting you down because of, of what you might believe, we don't have to be afraid that we're just believing in fairy tales. There's so much evidence for the quality, quantity of Scripture, or of the original documents, and the reasonability of all of this is, is just so, so encouraging for me. I'm wondering if maybe you have a final word that you'd like to share before we're done today. I'd like to wrap back around to First Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. Remember, okay. it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you mm. with meekness and fear. We should be able to give a defense to anyone who asks a reason. We are reasonable people and we have a defensible position. So we need to get busy and defend it. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, brother, very much for coming on. Grateful for our time and Godspeed and your works that you do for the church, both as a teacher and as a family man as well. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I want to thank Jamie one more time for coming on the show. What a great conversation it was. It's always fun in the moment to record these and then to get to share them with you. It's just another, it's like the cherry on top for me personally. Can the Bible be trusted? Yes. Beyond a shadow of a doubt? Yes. And if you'd like some additional resources on this, I invite you to go to the website, pureandsimplebible.com or my YouTube channel, and check out the videos there called Evidence of Inspiration. Similar to what we've been talking about, in these videos, I bring up several pieces of evidence that we can use to sustain our faith, not on blind hope, but on substantive evidence. Go check them out, please, www.pureandsimplebible.com. And so, until next week... This is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon.